The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Good morning. Oh, that was weak. Maybe my mic wasn't on yet. Good morning. All right, that's a little bit better. All right, I know it's a little bit early. It's not really that early, but it's early when you're in college. Um, so uh, I want to welcome you this morning. Thanks for being here. Uh, it's my privilege to be here. Uh, as was mentioned, I'm a, a Karen grad, I guess. It was PCB when I graduated, but, uh, and then they changed the name, and they changed the name again. So uh, we're a Karen grad, and I'm impressed by this podium. Uh, this is a massive podium. But before we dig into John chapter 1, get your Bibles out for me, or your tablets, or your phones, or whatever you're going to follow along with. Uh, put some version of the Word of God in front of you. We're going to be in John chapter 1, but I just want to pause for a minute and give one more recognition for that gospel choir that just led us through that awesome couple of hymns. Can we do that? They were great, and I can't sing, so it was even better. So it was awesome to listen to that. John chapter 1, verse 35 is where we're going to dig in for a minute. Uh, before that, I'll just give you a little bit about myself. I know you probably don't know me, so why should you listen uh, while I'm up here speaking? You just heard a couple things about my life, but I have a deep Cairn uh, roots here. I went to school here, then afterwards I came back, was uh, working here for a little while, coaching basketball, met my wife while I was coaching basketball. She was the athletic trainer uh, here at the university. I started getting injured a lot more, spending a lot of time in the training room. Um, eventually, uh, she relinquished and went out with me, um, and we were married uh, 18 years ago. We have four kids. I have a 15-year-old, so pray for me. Um, he is in high school at Franklintown Charter School uh, in the city, and then I have a 12-year-old uh, son, Cameron, and a 10-year-old uh, daughter, Shay, and a 7-year-old daughter, Trinity. So uh, you can pray for us, and we have an 8-week-old puppy. Uh, which is, we're regretting at nighttime. So um, <clears throat> it's been a long time since we had a newborn in the house. But um, anyway, First John, or no, just the Gospel of John 1, verse 35. What we're going to talk about today is being a ready disciple, okay? I know you're in school, and you're getting a lot of Bible, and you're having lots of opportunities here in chapel to hear the Word of God. You're also hopefully in some Christian community, uh, both in your dorms, on campus, or off campus if you're a commuter, and hopefully also in a local church. So all these areas are places where you're hopefully hearing the Word of God. It's encouraging you. It's challenging you. But one of the traps that happens, and I don't know how many people have gotten up here and told you this, but I'm going to tell you from experience, is that while in school here at a wonderful Christian university, it's easy to just kind of slide through spiritually, and get your education done, and think that getting your education done because you go to chapel actually makes you a really good disciple of Jesus. But there's more to it than that. There's more that God requires of you. As we look in John chapter 1 today, we're going to see what it looks like to be a ready disciple. And particularly, there's three main kind of disciples when Jesus was calling those to follow him. There's ready disciples, there's reluctant disciples, and there's resistant disciples. I don't know what category you necessarily fall in this morning in your spiritual walk, but I'm praying that the Word of God this morning ministers to your heart and moves you into a place where you can respond like Andrew and Peter as ready 
and willing and moving disciples. If you turn the news on or open up Twitter or any other social media feed or you read a paper, I don't even know if newspapers exist anymore, but if you read one of those, you will see our world is in trouble. It is heartbreaking to watch. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only answer. You've been entrusted with it. I've been entrusted with it. We need to be active disciples changing things in our world. Don't wait till you're done with school. Okay, if there's one thing, if you don't hear anything else I say, the rest of this time, I hope the word of God makes an impact, but don't wait until you think you get into real life when you graduate. That is not what God wants from you. There are people your age making massive impacts, and some of you probably are as well. But be active, be ready, be listening to God's spirit, be responding to his call, and be part of a change that needs to happen. First, or John chapter 1, verse 35. It says, The next day John was standing with two of his disciples. That's John the Baptist. He looked, and Jesus walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Can we just pause there? John the Baptist says, behold the Lamb of God. Five words. And these two guys get up and go. It didn't take a lot of convincing. It didn't take a super deep philosophical debate. It didn't take him saying, listen, this is why he's the Lamb of God. This is how. This is what I know. This is... They were following John, and John said, Behold the Lamb of God. And these two dudes got up and moved. Said, That's who we're after. That's who we're following. We're going to go. There's nothing going to stop us right now. Even if we want to talk about it, we'll talk about it on the way. So the first thing that we see here is these guys were ready to move. And they moved as soon as they encountered Jesus. Verse 38, Jesus turned and saw them following, and he said to them, What are you seeking? See, here's the interesting thing. When you seek after Jesus, sometimes he asks you questions and he already knows the answer, but he still wants you to answer them. He says, what are you seeking? Because here's the thing. When when we're following Christ and Christ asks us questions, those questions reveal heart motive. It can be real easy on a college campus where Christ is exalted and the Bible is talked about regularly and Jesus is glorified to just simply give a right answer. Or it can be real easy to use a time of academic performance to get somewhere and tag Jesus on as a point of reference. Here's what God has to say. Jesus doesn't want to be your point of reference in life. He wants to be your entire context of life. He wants more than a tagline on the end of your education. You're not primarily a student. I professors are going to maybe talk to me afterwards, but you are not primarily a student, even in these four years. Now, you are a student. If God has entrusted that to you, you need to steward it well. But you are primarily an image bearer of God that Jesus Christ came to redeem and put on mission. That's who you are. If you don't know what that looks like, talk to somebody. They'll help you. If you don't know who, come up and talk to me. I already talked to two or three professors 
that I know from school here, from my time here and since then, that will help you. But don't allow the gospel of Jesus Christ and following Christ to be a tag on. Just a point of reference. This is what I do, but I'm also a Christian. There's too much of that in our world. There's too much of things going before our identifying value as a follower of Christ. These guys got up and moved. Said, this is the Lamb of God. These two disciples jump and start moving. Jesus asked them a question. What are you seeking? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? The interesting interaction here between these two guys and Jesus is Jesus gets to ask questions and we get to answer them. But when we ask questions, guess what? He doesn't always answer you. You want to know why? Look at the next verse. They said, where are you staying? They're looking for where are you laying your head? Are we going to be okay if we follow you? Have you got a spot? Or are we going to be wandering around sleeping under a tree? Where are you staying, Rabbi? And Jesus says, come and you will see. He doesn't tell them. He tells them to follow. It's not the easy way out. Following Christ, if you're going to be a ready disciple, will have to happen before you have all your questions answered. You're going to have to get up and move and follow Jesus before he fills in all the blanks on your worksheet. Because that's not how God works. He requires faith of us. And what this reveals when he says, come and you'll see, these two guys keep going. They follow They didn't get the answer they were looking for, but they trusted Jesus and they moved. Sometimes God requires that of us in our life. Other times he'll give you answers. Sometimes it'll be clear. I'm still waiting for the ones. We had a really big decision recently for our church family and and for our family, my my biological family. And we're we're praying on this hard. And I just asked the Lord, I'm like, okay, God, if you're not going to write on a wall for me, right? I'll take an email. Shoot me an email, undisclosed address, doesn't matter, right? I don't have to be able to reply. Just give me a solid, clear answer. And you know what the Lord said to me? He said, you don't need a solid, clear answer right now. You'll be fine. Keep being faithful. Wasn't the answer I wanted to hear. But I can tell you a few months later, it's the answer I needed These guys don't get the answer they're looking for. He says, come, you'll see. So they came and saw where he was staying. See, this is the second time these two dudes just get up and move. They didn't have all the answers to their questions. They didn't particularly know where they were going. But John the Baptist points them and says, this is the Lamb of God. They got up, they moved. They asked Jesus where they were heading. He says, "Uh, just come and see. They get up and move. They keep going. One of the things to being a ready disciple, an effective disciple for Christ, is you cannot be complacent. There are too much, there's too much Christianity in our world today that sits on the sidelines. You can't do it. You're not an effective disciple if you are not actively engaging what God's called you to engage and where he is going. Here's a couple. I don't know all the specifics for where God's taking you, but we know some of the generalities, Right? God calls us, if we are going to follow him, to be active, helpful, serving members of a local church. And you don't get a free pass till you get out of college. 
do that. If there's one thing I regret, it wasn't until my third year in college that I really dug in to a local church. Don't waste that time. Find a local church that preaches the gospel that probably doesn't agree with you on every single little detail and get in line. Just serve and be faithful and God will use it and he will grow you. He will grow you. But God doesn't grow healthy disciples outside of the community of his body, the church. So get there. No more of this. I I can tell you that I've lived in Philadelphia. I've lived in the city now since I graduated. So I, I moved to the city in 1999. I've lived there ever since. I see lots of young people come to the city and want to follow Jesus. And I have heard so many of them tell me, I'm just not interested in the local church. You have a serious spiritual issue if that's your attitude. I'm sorry to be the one to tell you. Actually, I'm not. So I, I'm not. But I'm not trying to be harsh with you. I'm trying to love you and tell you God's going to grow you as part of a church. Not as part of a Bible study on campus. He will grow you as part of a Bible study on campus. So do that too. But make sure that you are connected to a local church. It is the avenue, God's word, through the work of his spirit, through the ministry of his local church, is how God works in the world. So make sure that those are plugged in as you're following Jesus as a disciple. Don't be complacent. The example we have from these guys is they got up and go. They got up and go when their questions aren't answered. They got up and went. End of verse 39. They stayed with him that day. For it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah. These guys' reactions are unbelievable. They're spirit-led. They didn't go back and forth with a bunch of debates about if this was really the Messiah or not. John the Baptist named him as the Lamb of God. They looked and saw and heard him speaking, and they followed, and then they started recruiting. Andrew goes and finds his brother. We found the Messiah, which means the Christ. Verse 42, he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, so you are Simon, the son of John. You should be called Cephas, which is Peter. So the first thing we see out of Andrew and Peter is this. When they are exposed to the opportunity to follow Jesus, they move. No excuses, no quandaries, no wait till he answers my questions. I got to make sure this is the right move for me. The right move for you is always to follow Jesus. I'll guarantee you this, it will not always be easy. There's going to be trials involved. I mean, if you read the Bible and don't see trials in the people of God, I don't know what you're reading. Times will be difficult. You will be challenged. You may even be persecuted. But doing what God wants you to do and speaking out for Christ will always be the right decision. So when things happen like the shooting in Pittsburgh at a synagogue, and I can tell you nothing makes me more sick than to hear people identify themselves as Christians and get behind craziness 
That's not Jesus. Jesus is peaceful, he's loving, he's gracious. He's attractive to those who don't believe. He's not condemning. He comes and says, I didn't come to condemn you. I came to love you, bring you in. Now, he confronts our sin. We all know that, right? He loves us like a good dad. He's not going to let us just wallow around in sin and mess our lives up and the lives of others. He's going to approach us and say, there's consequences for what you're doing because I love you. But he's still always loving. That should be a character trait of following him. Peter and Andrew are willing, ready disciples. They see the Christ, they moved. Verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and he said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So now we've got three ready, willing, moving disciples, Andrew, Peter, Philip, and they're recruiting. Nathaniel's another story. Here we see a picture of a reluctant disciple. Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth was not known for nice things. So he says, I don't know, man. Like, I know I know you, Philip. I know I probably trust your decision-making and your character, but I got to find out for myself. I don't think anything good is going to come out of Nazareth. Philip said to him, the right answer, come and see. See, here's a couple things that are important here. When we see a reluctant disciple, and maybe you have friends that are reluctant disciples, maybe you're a reluctant disciple. Maybe you're the one asking that question. Is this really good? Can this really be good? If you're a ready and willing disciple, when you encounter a reluctant disciple, it's important to know what to say. I have been engaged when I, I'm not going to call myself old. I'm not old. When I was younger, when I was of a younger age and had a lot more uh, lack of maturity, I used to get in debates a lot. I like debating. I would debate you all day long about Philadelphia athletics or Syracuse athletics. Those I'll still debate about. But when it comes to the gospel, God has eventually broken me enough to say, I don't need to get in an argument with you. Just come and see. Come and see. People don't argue with things that are happening right in front of them. Here's also why it's important that you're part of a local body of believers. Or you got nothing for them to come and see, right? What they're coming to see is Jesus changing lives. So when you encounter a reluctant disciple like Nathaniel, you've got to have something to take them to. If you're complacent, or you're not actively serving the Lord, and you're not in community, a community that's hard but still full of the gospel, if you're not in any of those things, you've got nothing for them to look at. You have to have something for them to come and see. Now, Andrew and Peter and Philip were following Jesus already. Their lives reflected a life of discipleship. So when Nathaniel had questions, they said, come see. Come see. 
One of the questions you have to ask yourself this morning, I have to ask myself all the time, is my life one that I want people to come and see? Do I want them to come look at my life and hopefully see Jesus? Verse 47. Jesus knows Nathaniel's a reluctant disciple, so he lays some stuff on him. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming towards him and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Who said Jesus didn't like sarcasm? He used a little bit here with Nathaniel walking towards him because Nathaniel thought he had all the answers already. The funny thing is, is how Nathaniel responds. Nathaniel said to him, How do you know me? Like, really? You really believe there's no deceit in you? But Nathaniel's still reluctant. Jesus says, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now Nathaniel answers, Rabbi, you're the Son of God, you're the King of Israel. <clears throat> See, a reluctant disciple needs Jesus to go a little bit further to convince him. But look how Jesus actually responds to Nathaniel after he believes, after he professes his discipleship. Jesus says in verse 50, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. This encouragement from this passage of scripture is this. Be Peter, Andrew, and Philip. If you're Nathaniel, Jesus will still get to you. But you don't have to be. Follow him. Follow him for who he is. Be actively participating in the work of Jesus around you, the work he's doing in and through you. Don't be complacent. And don't be the reluctant guy, right? I, some of you probably like to ask questions. But ask your questions as you're going. Follow him. Those questions, a lot of them will get answered without him even saying it to you. Just as you go, you'll see it. But follow him and feel free to ask him the questions you need to. Nathaniel didn't buy in until Christ gave him a pretty significant smack in the face. He said, I saw you under the fig tree, Philip, before Nathaniel even came to get you. Or I, before Philip even came to get you, Nathaniel. I saw you. Whoa, I was under a fig tree. Really? Then he believed. Verse 51, Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He promised these men, three ready, one reluctant, that they were going to see wonderful works of God. And here's what you have to take with you this morning. Jesus says the same thing to you. You will see greater things than him mentioning what you were doing yesterday. Because when you follow Christ and you trust him with your life and you actively participate and you serve and you are part of a body of believers and moving on the mission of God, God does um, unbelievable things around you. There's a quote that I have on a, a little placard in my office. I don't know who the original one was. I, I heard John Piper say it first, but 
it probably came somewhere else, but God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, three of which you may be aware of. God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, three of which you may be aware of. But as you follow him, he will blow your mind. He will stretch your soul. And he will show you greater works than reminding you what you were doing yesterday when you think he wasn't there. He will change people's lives. There are people that come out of this institution that follow Jesus well and take risks and are doing great things for the mission of God. I can name a few that I know, some that I coached when I was coaching here. Josh Kranz graduated here. He's in Coatesville, PA, doing groundwork for God. Dwayne Walton's out there at the point doing similar work. There's a recent grad, uh, Susan Santucci-Jones. She's working at a, at a day drop center in Kensington for women who are struggling through addiction, who are homeless, who maybe are coming out of human trafficking or prostitution. We've got a school that we're opening. We just opened in Kensington in August. 296 students from the Kensington area in a safe school every day. There are people that come out of this institution that God chooses to use. Why? Because we're super gifted? No. But because when you follow Jesus faithfully, he shows you greater things than you could ever think of. You're at a time of preparation as we wrap up. You're here to get ready for the next stage of life. The only thing I'm asking you to do is don't waste this stage. Study, learn, get what you can get, what God has for you here. At the same time, actively participate in the work of God in our world. Don't slough off until you get out of college. That's my biggest, the one thing I want you to walk away with. Jesus has called you, each and every one of you, to follow him. Get up and move. Do it. He will show you things along the way. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for passages of scripture like this that show and give us tangible results of what it looks like to follow you with a ready and a willing spirit. Father, I pray against any kind of distraction that is present in the lives of the people in this room that are listening today. I ask that you would remove those distractions and bring clarity to your people that we would be part of making a change in our world that looks like nothing other than Jesus, and that the gospel can be made clear, and that many would come and see, and their lives would be changed. It's in the power of your name, and it's with us asking for the help of the Holy Spirit, and it's with us having gratitude for your word and the way that you work in our lives that we ask for these things. In Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.